Welcome to episode 57 of the Practice of Nonprofit Leadership. I'm Tim Barnes. And I'm Nathan Ruby. Well, good morning, Tim. How are you doing on this fine, cool, crisp fall morning? Well, Nathan, to be honest, I'm actually loving it. Love the trees that are changing and the crispness, uh, especially with the sun out today. So, Nathan, today we're going to talk about four lies that executive directors tell themselves. And it's a good topic that applies to all of us. I think we had a great discussion thinking about our own journey as we as we put this together. But uh, first, Nathan and I would like to revisit last week's episode. Yeah. And uh, last week, Tim and I posted episode number 56 of the practice of nonprofit leadership. And it was uh, the topic of last week was uh, unsolicited advice, how to how to deal with uh, stakeholders that come up and give you great pieces of advice that may or may not be appropriate for the organization. And if you've listened to it, um, well, if you haven't listened, we recommend you go listen to it. But for those of you that have, um, you'll notice that the sound quality was not our typical level of, of sound. And when uh, when Tim and I recorded that episode, uh, I was actually on another fundraising trip and I was in an Airbnb with a marginal Internet signal. And so we ended up with uh, some of the sections of the episode were actually uh, pretty garbled. And I don't know, Tim, is that the proper is garbled the proper term for that? I think so. I think you're on the right track. (laughs) <laughs> okay. It just it just didn't sound good. How about that? The practice of nonprofit leadership. This is kind of our side gig. We're really passionate about the things that we share, but we do it on kind of our side gig budget as well. Our goal is to spend a half hour with you or so every week talking about being executive director and sharing some ideas and some tips and to provide help and some support so that you can be the best that you can possibly be. And we know the part of that is giving you the best sound quality so you can actually get the uh, the ideas that we're, that we're sharing. And be assured that Nathan and I love doing this podcast. We love sharing the time with you every week. We especially enjoy when you reach out to us. And we've had some amazing conversations over the last few weeks with some of our listeners um, who are doing amazing work around the country and even the world. And we're excited about bringing an even better podcast in the near future to you and continue this journey with you. So, so thanks for uh, for being here and listening. And Nathan, I think that's about it. So let's get into the podcast today. Let's talk about the lies that we tell ourselves. So, all right, uh, four lies that we tell ourselves as executive directors. And Tim mentioned this a little bit ago, but this is uh, Tim and I are not immune uh, to these as well. This is uh, we all tell ourselves lies. And these are things that we believe in our head that uh, may or may not be true. Uh, Most of the time, they are not true, uh, hence the term lie. And uh, there's way more than just four, uh, but we're going to cover four of them today. And so number one is that I should take a lower salary. Or the uh, extension of that is I should take no salary if I am working in a nonprofit because Tim, shouldn't all of the money go to the people we serve, to our programs, and so that we can expand that and do more good things? So I should take a diminished salary so we have money to do that. Uh, Tim and I hear that all the time. And, you know, I get it. Nobody's really excited about negotiating your salary with the board. 
you know, even I am not a big fan of that. Nobody likes to do that. But as the executive director, you know, that is just something that you have to do. And just because we don't like something doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. And so what we see over and over, and both Tim and I have seen this, is a mindset of executive directors of small to medium-sized uh, organizations that place the well-being of themselves and their families behind the well-being of the organization and the people it serves. And is that bad? Well, no, of course not. I mean, we all want, you're in this world, you're in this business, you're in this nonprofit, you're leading this organization because you are dedicated to the people that you serve. And of, of course you want them to, the, whoever you serve, you want them to be the, the get as much as they possibly can and to impact their lives as, as much as you can. However, taking a significantly lower salary is not a sustainable way to build the reach and impact of your organization over the long term. It is actually short-sighted by you and your board. Yeah, Nathan, I think we, as we've talked before in our in our journey, we have actually done this ourselves, where we've, oh, yes, where we've we taken we've taken less and. We actually have caused uh, difficulties in our family, you know, thinking about how are we going to afford things and, and do all that. And uh, and we we realized this was a lie we were telling ourselves. Uh, Nathan and I do quite a bit of flying. And there's a phrase that they always talk about when they're doing their safety presentation on the plane. Put your own mask on first before helping others around you. That makes sense in my head, but if you're seeing people that are struggling, you want to you want to you know get your mask over there to them, but you are not able to help others if you don't have your mask on because eventually you're going to pass out and not be able to do anything. And so, as we think about uh, leading in this kind of a uh, in a, in a nonprofit organization, it's really important that you don't just settle for a lower salary because you're doing good work. But there is a reasonable salary that is able to provide for you and your family as you lead and as you go forward. You know, and, and, and Tim, the the leading a, a small to medium nonprofit is hard enough. The the stress is enough. The the issues that you bring home with you to your family, those are all hard enough. But when you get home and now all of a sudden you've gone from the stress of the day of leading the organization, you get home and you realize that you're two days from your power being cut off because there's not enough money in the, in, in the personal checking account uh, to pay it. That, that is not, that's not sustainable. You can't keep doing that. And, and not only does that, not only is that not, not sustainable, Tim, but it's also, you're now worried about how you're going to pay that bill. And now you can't give your best to the organization during the day. And so I just, uh, I don't want to, you know, pound this into, into the sand, Tim, but, you know, nonprofits should be paying their executive directors and all staff, not just the executive director, but all staff, a reasonable salary based on the size of the organization, the complexity of the organization and the skill sets of the executive director. So Tim, quick question for you. Does that mean if you, let's say you're running an organization, that's a hundred thousand dollar organization. All right. Um, can I take a $80,000 a year salary uh, and have that be reasonable? Well, that doesn't sound very reasonable <laughs> at one level. 
and I think that's why we use the word reasonable. If you are taking $80,000, where's money to do the program? Where's money to do um, other, other, whether it's other staff or other needs in the organization? And, and so, yes, you need to go in with your eyes open. If you're a hundred thousand dollar organization, you know maybe maybe thirty or forty thousand dollars is going to go to your salary, something like that. The key is knowing what's reasonable and knowing what your needs are and whether you can actually afford to take this to take this role. It's important to be upfront and understand from the from the beginning what's reasonable. Our point here is the is having the mindset that you just because you're the executive director doesn't mean you automatically take a minimal salary just because you feel that's the right thing to do that is a lie that we tell ourselves number two tim um donors don't want me me being the executive director donors want don't want me to talk to them about their giving wow this could not be further from the truth this is a lie. Uh, in fact, donors will be upset with you if you don't talk to them about their giving. Uh, and often you won't know that they are upset because they won't tell you. They're not going to call you on the phone and say, Tim, how come you haven't come to talk to me in the last month or two months or the last year? No, they, they don't tell you that. What they'll do is they will reduce their gift uh, for this year or worse, they'll stop giving at all. But here's the little secret about this fly. If you have a donor who reduces their giving to you, or if they stop altogether, it doesn't mean that they're not giving. They're just not giving to you anymore. So they will give that money to somebody else who does come and talk to them and visit with them. So um, the, uh, the average renewal rate is for donors is somewhere and this this varies up and down it's somewhere in the 45 to 50 percent range and so half of donors who have given to you in the past will stop giving to you in the future uh and the way you stop that is by talking to them how do we do that well uh, a couple of things if you're looking for a 250 dollar check uh or a hundred dollar check something something small then you can you can just you know send them a direct mail piece and or maybe a social media post and that will count and you know maybe they'll write you a hundred dollar check based on the emotion of, of, of that letter that post um, so that, that would be talking to them if you want a bigger check let's say a five hundred dollar check well then you're gonna have to up the communication a little bit so maybe it's a phone call or two um, or consistent, uh, communication with them. Maybe it's three newsletters and a couple of appeal letters. Uh, so maybe it's three to five communications over the year written and, uh, social media post and a phone call, you know, maybe that gets you to 500. Uh, but if you're looking for a 5,000 or a 25,000 or a 50,000, then you better be knocking on the door and sitting down with that donor face to face uh, at the kitchen table or at the coffee shop or wherever the donor is most comfortable and having those conversations, uh, finding out the name of their kids and their grandkids and what their life is like and what they're trying to do with their charitable giving. That is the, the depth of relationship that you need when you were looking for some of those bigger gifts. 
And if you, if you're not doing those things, if you're not having that level of communication with your donors, um, you're just not going to be getting those gifts, Tim. It's just that simple. I wonder if the, if the lie we tell ourselves has more to do with how we feel about things. It's like, Oh, I don't want to bother people or I don't want to put myself out. They might say no. And we begin to tell that lies to ourselves as opposed to no people are excited about what you're doing. They want to get excited about the work your organization is doing. They want to hear what the needs are and we need to have those conversations so that they can be partners with us in doing this really good work. Tim, they're writing a check. They're, they're, they're like, if they write a check and they send it to you, they're like raising their hand, say, Ooh, Ooh, pick me. Come, come talk to me, Tim. And yeah, it is. And, and I, I don't, I, I'm not trying to to ridicule people or, you know, it, because I, I, I suffer sometimes from the same thing. And I know Tim, I know you do too. It, it is, it, it's, uh, it's easier to stay at your desk. It's easier to stay in your chair. Um, that's easier. And human nature, sometimes that happens. We just get into a rut where we just, we're just sitting at our desk, cranking out work. Uh, but that is, if you're telling yourself that your donors don't want to hear from you, you're telling yourself a lie. That is not true. All right, let's go to three. Uh, running my organization as a business is wrong. Or or you could also, Tim, tell yourself running my organization as a business is correct. All right. Well, the lie in there is that it's one or the other. Because, and I've heard this discussion back and forth for years, back in the 90s. I heard you know top this topic at, at uh, conferences I went to and you should run your organization like a business. You should never run your organization like a business. I, you know, it, it, it's, it's both sides of the, of this argument. And what I think is kind of silly is your nonprofit is a business, Tim. It, it, it is a nonprofit is a business. So you have to run your nonprofit as a business because by definition it is one. Now the difference between nonprofits and for-profits is you know in a for profit there you go after profit and that profit goes to the benefit of somebody it goes to the owner or it goes to the stockholders or that whatever is left over after all, all the expenses are paid there's any money left over that money goes to somebody and a nonprofit if there's revenue left over a net revenue positive revenue at the end of the year that revenue is invested back into the organization to continue the organization and to continue providing program that's the difference between a profit and a nonprofit yeah we should run our organization like a business because if you don't manage your cash appropriately and the, your organizational checkbook says zero then you are out of business so it's kind of important in some aspects to run it as a business, but we're also, Tim, we're also not wall street bankers who are trying to generate the biggest profit possible for themselves. So we're somewhere in between there. I think sometimes when I hear that, I get it that people are focusing on the fact that we're not making widgets that oftentimes what we're doing is we're trying to, to save lives or change lives. And those aren't widgets. <laughs> They're people. And I get that. But there still is an organizational aspect that needs to be that needs to be done. And sometimes people use that line to do sloppy stuff. There are things that we can learn from from other business for for-profit business practices. 
you mentioned some, I think, in our conversations, whether it's, you know, six, six, six Sigma or other kinds of management principles or, you know, marketing, branding, all those kind of things. We still need to run our business in a way that's effective and makes an impact, but still care about the people that we are we are working with. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And uh, you know, this is this is one that I actually use, um, and and I do get some. I, I've done some uh, commenting about this, and I've done some training sessions on this, and I always get pushback on, on this, uh, but I bring it up anyway. And I actually, I came from a sales. Uh, background. My first jobs before I got into the into the nonprofit world were sales based. My dad uh, was a car dealer. Uh, it doesn't get any more salesy than a car dealer, right? Uh, and so, growing up at the kitchen table, I talked sales. I heard my dad talk about sales. I sat in on the sales meetings for his salespeople. Uh, I, that's how I grew up. And there are a ton of things that you can learn about fundraising from the sales world that are that are absolutely uh applicable in fundraising as the executive director you need to be looking for things no matter where it comes from that are helping you be more efficient more effective making a bigger difference getting closer to your vision and mission it, and it, and if that comes from putting your business hat on for a couple hours every week and and you know running the business aspect of your organization a little better then then that's a good thing uh without going over the top that's three. All right, let's do number four. We're coming down the home stretch here, Tim. You know, like I said when we first get started, th- don't think that this list is only four because this list is long. We we tell ourselves a lot of lies. Uh, but our fourth one for today is uh, probably the most insidious of them all. Uh, this is the one that does the most damage and that can set you further behind on your career as an executive director. And that lie is, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I'll tell you, we hear, Tim and I hear that all the time from people we talk to and that they just, they don't know what they're doing. And that single lie is the biggest one that'll hold you back than anything else that you do today. You know, is being an executive director intuitive? Well, some of it is yes, but some of it, no. And are executive directors born? Well, maybe some people are, you're, you, you might be born with more leadership skills than others. Maybe, maybe you just, you'll pick some of that up at the, as you were growing up. But can you learn to be a really good executive director if you commit to learning and give yourself time? Absolutely. You know, everybody is really good at something. Some people are good at multiple things, but not everybody is great at everything, you know, right off the bat. And this is a story I tell. And, and this was at a, uh, a church that, uh, Missy and I and, and the kids were going to, and, um, they were putting in this massive, massive playground. This was, it, it was made out of heavy wood and it was, this was not just a playground, Tim, this was a massive playground. And so the church bought all this equipment and there was a committee that was formed and, um, and you know, Tim, I don't build things. Uh, and the reason I don't build things is because I'm a C minus math student. So you don't want me anything that you're going to use a, a playground, a house, a building, a bridge. 
you don't want me anywhere near building that thing because I just, I, that's not my skill set. So I showed up, but I said, Hey, my kids are going to be using this. So I can, you know, I could pick things up. I can move things. I can, you know, I could dig a hole. So, uh, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll be there on Saturday morning. And the guy that was leading the committee, he was an engineer. So, you know, he had the plans all drawn out. Everything was great. So I get there. Uh, and the, the wife of the guy that was the, the head of the committee, uh, it, it was her and three other women and me, it was, it was the five of us. And I said to the wife, I said, where, you know, where's your husband at? And she goes, oh, well, he couldn't be here today. And I was like, I'm thinking to myself, oh, I hope one of these women is an engineer because I, this is not my skill set. And, uh, so we had our donuts and our coffee, we're ready to go. And she goes, when I'm said, okay, well, you know, where do we dig the first hole at? Um, and immediately everybody looked to me and somebody actually said, well, and I said, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where, I, I don't know. And one of the women said, well, you're a guy. Shouldn't you know this? And it's like, no, I don't build things. And so, and actually the, the end of the story is we actually didn't do anything that day because nobody knew where to dig the first hole. So we all went home. Um, and that's the way it is with being an executive director. You can't assume that you know this stuff just because you have this position. All kinds of people end up in the role of executive director and they really don't have the training or the background to do it. But that just means you don't have it yet. And that's really the answer to this lie. Uh, you don't know. You, I don't know how to do this. Well, you don't know how to do this yet. Um, and so if you have, and, and the problem with that lie, Tim, is if you if you internalize that lie of I of I don't know what I'm doing I don't know how to do this it breeds inactivity all of, all of a sudden you can't make decisions because if you don't know what you're doing and you have a decision to make well what if I make the wrong decision and so then all of a sudden you you slow things slow down you start to think more negatively and all of a sudden you're just this you're in this loop of inactivity because you can't make a decision but the good news is there's an easy fix. And I already mentioned it. That fix is, I don't know what I'm doing yet. And that word yet gives you grace. It gives you grace to make mistakes. It gives you grace to do the very best you can today while also learning and knowing that you're going to get better. So you can get over that, that negative thinking, telling yourself that lie and get moving forward by just saying, I don't know how to do it yet. I don't know what I'm doing yet. Um, and you know, you may think that, okay, Nathan, you're making a little bit bigger deal than this than it really is. Uh, you know, you've been droning on about this for the last three or four minutes. Is it really that big of a deal? Uh, and the answer is yes, it is your mind. And especially your subconscious mind is a powerful tool and it can work with you. It can work for you. Or if you let it, it'll work against you. And by thinking to yourself, even if you don't say it out loud, even if you're just whispering in the back of your head, I have no idea what I'm doing. That is a negative force that will, that will take you backwards. Uh, and that's a lie. You know, the other good news is it's things that can be learned. And there are so many opportunities, whether it's taking a course, whether it's getting someone to coach you getting an advisor, reading books. You know, there's so much information out there. Instead of saying, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm just going to back off, jump in and learn. Learn from somebody who's doing it. 
and uh, and move forward. It it can be learned if you're willing to uh, make the commitment to go after it. And gave yourself the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, how about some closing thoughts, Nathan, as we've kind of hit these four lies? Okay, here we go. Wrapping it all up for you. So, um, you know, we tell ourselves lies all the time. It, it's part of the human condition. However, telling ourselves lies about our role as, and as executive director hurts ourselves, our families, the organizations we work for, and ultimately the people we serve. Are we perfect and have all the right answers at just the right time? No, of course not. This is not a TV show that wraps up everything perfectly in 30 or 60 minutes. As executive directors, you spend your time dealing with real people in real situations. It could be messy and it could be difficult, but it's also totally joyful at the same time. Telling these lies to yourself hurts your ability to change the world. They are lies. Don't give them the power over you. Well, thanks for joining us today. As Nathan says, we all have lies that we tell ourselves. Wondering maybe do you have one that you've been particularly struggling with? Maybe it's on this list or maybe it's something else that we didn't mention today. But we'd love to connect with you and talk it through together. Our emails are in the show notes. Or you can always reach out and leave a message at nonprofitleader.online. That's nonprofitleader.online. That's all for today. Until next time.